You are listening to a sermon from St. Peter's Free Church in Dundee, the historic church of Robert Murray McShane. For more sermon content, please visit our website at stpeters-dundee.org.uk. Now we're going to look at this psalm, but to set it into context, we're going to read first of all from 1 Samuel chapter 19 and verse 8. 1 Samuel 19, it's on page 291. Once more war broke out, and David went out and fought the Philistines. He struck them with such force that they fled before him. But an evil spirit from the Lord came upon Saul as he was sitting in his house with his spear in his hand. While David was playing the harp, Saul tried to pin him to the wall with his spear. But David eluded him as Saul drove the spear into the wall. That night, David made good his escape. Saul sent men to David's house to watch it and to kill him in the morning. But Michal, David's wife, warned him, if you don't run for your life tonight, tomorrow you'll be killed. So Michal let David down through a window, and he fled and escaped. Then Michal took an idol and laid it on the bed, covering it with a garment and putting some goat's hair at the head. When Saul sent the men to capture David, Michal said, he is ill. Then Saul sent the men back to see David and told them, bring him up to me in his bed so that I may kill him. But when the men entered, there was the idol in the bed, and at the head was some goat's hair. Saul said to Mishael, why did you deceive me like this and send my enemy away so that he escaped? Mishael told him, he said to me, let me get away. Why should I kill you? When David had fled and made his escape, he went to Samuel at Ramah and told him all that Saul had done to him. And it was on this occasion that David wrote this psalm. Psalm 59, which we are uh, going to look at. Now, you and I will often find ourselves facing a great deal of difficulty and trouble, but I suspect that none of you are here this morning because your father-in-law was trying to kill you. Um, It was just an absolutely horrendous situation for David to be in, and um, the story reads quite spectacularly. His wife, David's wife, takes an idol, takes some goat's hair, uh, makes it up, and manages to help him escape. But he must have been pretty shattered, and he wrote this song. He wrote it, so we are told at the beginning, to the tune of Do Not Destroy a Miktam when Saul had sent his men to watch David's house in order to kill him. The tune is Al-Takshith, do not destroy it. It's a tune that was used for Psalm 58 and also Psalm 75, probably coming from Isaiah 65, verse 8, where we read this, this is what the Lord says, as when juice is still found in a cluster of grapes and men say, don't destroy it, there is yet some good in it. So will I do on behalf of my servants. I will not destroy them all. 1 Samuel 26 verse 9 has David saying about Saul, don't destroy him. Reminds us of Deuteronomy 9 26, where Moses prays, do not destroy your people. So it's a very famous tune, a very, probably a tune, maybe even from a, a popular song, that David took this tune and wrote this prayer for deliverance. I think it's a great prayer of faith, and I think it is a, a prayer that can help us and teach us 
how to pray. Verses 1 to 5, it, it's, there are uh, <coughs> four stanzas. We look first of all at verses 1 to 5, where he's calling out for help. Deliver me from my enemies, O God. Protect me from those who rise up against me. Deliver me from evildoers and save me from bloodthirsty men. See how they lie in wait for me. Fierce men conspire against me. For no offense or sin of mine, O Lord. I've done no wrong, yet they are ready to attack me. Arise to help me. Look on my plight, O Lord God Almighty, the God of Israel. Rouse yourself to punish all the nations. Show no mercy to wicked traitors. David recognizes he is in trouble. Your house should be the place where you're safe, isn't it? Don't you? You go home at night, you feel safe. Maybe you lock the door, maybe you don't, but you feel quite secure in your home. I don't know if any of you have ever had the experience of having your house burgled, but it's a horrible experience. You feel violated, you feel insecure. If any of you have ever had the experience of someone putting a brick through your window, it feels horrible. It's a horrendous situation. You should be safe in your own house. The phrase is, uh, uh, an Englishman's home is his castle. Well, Scotsman's as well. But when when people come to kill you, and you have to escape out of the bedroom window while your wife lies at the front door, that is a horrendous situation. And he is calling out to God to be his fortress. Deliver me from my enemies. I am in trouble. And he's in trouble because in verse 2, there's evil. Deliver me from evildoers and bloodthirsty men. David recognizes something that I hope you all recognize, that conflict in this world doesn't just come because of a clash of interest, that trouble and fighting doesn't just come because of that. It comes because of evil. There is such a thing as evil. And we constantly need to ask the Lord to deliver us from evil. There is deep evil in this world, and sadly, there is deep evil in us. And so, he cries out, I am innocent. Now, he's not saying, I am sinless. He's saying, I'm innocent of what they have accused me of. He'd been at a a dinner with his father-in-law, and his father-in-law had thrown a spear at him. Now, some of you have been at dinner parties or whatever it is that you have where things have gone wrong, and there's been a wee fight. I suspect nobody's ever had tried to pin you to the wall with a spear. So that's a dinner party that you really don't want to go anywhere near. And he has come back from that, but he, he's crying out, I'm innocent. This is not my fault. And yet what I love in this verse is that he's, his concern is here still the honor and glory of God. It is a personal feeling, but it's not just a personal feeling. Verse 5, rouse yourself to punish all the nations, Lord God Almighty. That's not David saying, just protect me from Saul or protect me from my own people. That's David saying, defeat evil, destroy evil. I don't know as we sang those words whether you felt slightly uncomfortable. Oh God, rouse yourself. That's telling God to wake up. It's shouting at God. 
wake up. Why? Because it's not that he perceives God to be asleep, but that his enemies do. They think they can get away with it. They're saying, where is your God? Throughout the Psalms, you will find this refrain repeated. They say, where is your God? Do we not live in a world where people mock us and where they look at us and they say, where's your God? Your church will die out. Your God doesn't exist. Your God is useless. They abuse and they mock and they deny. And David cries out to God, Lord, show yourself to be awake. He's pleading the common cause of the church as we do this morning because we plead for our brothers and sisters in Iraq and in Syria and in Sudan and in Nigeria. We came to church this morning and we don't have anyone outside looking under the cars to see if there is a car bomb that's going to be used to attack us. But there are people who are meeting today in this world to worship Jesus Christ as part of the one family of God who they do not know if they will return from church alive. They do not know what awaits them. And when we are faced with personal evil, we need to cry out to God to deliver us from evil. But then he goes on. They return at evening, snarling like dogs and prowl about the city. See what they spew from their mouths. They spew out swords from their lips and they say, who can hear us? But you, O Lord, laugh at them. You scoff at all those nations. O my strength, I watch for you. You, O God, are my fortress, my loving God. God will go before me and so on. He uses a very graphic image. He talks about the prowling pack that comes out at night to attack me. Job 24, Job gives a a beautiful description of this type of thing. There are those who rebel against the light, who do not know its ways or stay in its paths. When daylight is gone, the murderer rises up and kills the poor and needy. In the night, he steals forth like a thief. The eye of the adulterer watches for dust. He thinks, no eye will see me, and he keeps his face concealed. In the dark, men break into houses, but by day they shut themselves in. They want nothing to do with the light. For all of them, deep darkness is their mourning. They make friends with the terrors of darkness. Jesus was betrayed at night. The image of night and the darkness that, that comes in and, and on what is happening. And David is obviously concerned about the physical violence, but he's also concerned about the words that are used. They spew daggers is what he's saying. Their, 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 their mouths are, swords come out of their mouths because we know that the adage, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me, is rubbish. Don't ever say that to your children. Don't treat lightly when a child is abused um, with words because it's horrendous. It really sticks. And there may be some of us and we say, well, I, I don't, I've never hit anyone. Yeah, but you use your mouth to abuse your wife or you use your mouth to abuse your husband or you use your mouth to abuse other people. Words really, really hurt. And here he's talking about him spewing daggers 
because it is ultimately a spiritual battle, Ephesians 6. Our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. You see what it is to pray. It is to go to God and say, Lord, wake up, please. This is happening. This is happening to me. This is like a, a nightmare. I cannot believe this. There, there are dogs who are baying, attacking, seeking to destroy. Help me and help your church. Help your people because we see this evil. But he doesn't stop because, look at verse 9, all my strength I watch for you. Verse 8, you, O Lord, laugh at them. This is a, a reflection of Psalm 2 when the Lord sits in heaven and scorns these people who shake their fists at God, these people who say, does God hear us? The psalmist recognizes, of course God does. And he recognizes that his strength comes from God and that God is his fortress. He's asked for protection. He's asked to be surrounded. And then he, he realizes in this verse, wait a minute, I've got it. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run to it, and they are safe and secure. You may be in your home tonight, and you feel safe and secure. Everything else that's going on outside, you're safe and secure. Of course, you're not. Not absolutely, not ultimately. But if you are a believer, you are safe and secure. Here's an incredible thought for those of you who are believers. You are as secure now in Christ as you will be in heaven when you have no more experience of sin and no more knowledge of evil. But you are, you are as secure now because your security is not in your sinlessness and your security is not in your circumstances. Your security is in God. God is our refuge and our strength in straits of present aid. I think of um, a kind of weird song, but a wonderful song. I'm still not sure that I understand it, but that's because it's by Bob Dylan, so um, you can appreciate that. But he's got a wonderful song called um, Shelter from the Storm, and in one of the verses, I think it describes this experience that many of us have very well. I was in another lifetime, one of toil and blood, when blackness was a virtue and the road was full of mud. I came in from the wilderness, a creature void of form. Come in, she said, I'll give you shelter from the storm. Some of us know the blackness. We know what it is to be trudging through the mud. We know the despair. We know the depression. We know the discouragement. We know the overwhelming sense of sin and of evil. And we are lost and we struggle until we realize that our shelter, our fortress, and our strength is God himself. And so we learn to watch. We watch for the enemies of God, but we watch for God himself. Now, we're going to sing um, part of Christ's experience of this from Psalm 22, where the psalmist here talks about the dogs who are attacking him. And in Psalm 22, which Jesus stated on the cross, it speaks of Jesus' experience on the cross of blackness and of being attacked and of being pursued. And, and as we sing this, just uh, it's obviously a very sad song. We're going to sing it to the tune, Soldo. But just reflect upon what Christ went through and 
the darkness that he experienced on our behalf. And then we'll come back and look at the end of this psalm. Like water I'm emptied out and all my bones are torn apart. Uh, Let's stand and sing. Cannot think that that is extraordinary that Christ's heart was turned into wax, that he counted his bones, that he, his tongue stuck to his mouth. It is uh, extraordinary what he went through. Well, the psalmist continues. <clears throat> I'll go back one, sorry. God will go before me and will let me gloat over those who slander me. But do not kill them, O Lord, our shield, or my people will forget. In your might, make them wander about and bring them down for the sins of their mouths, for the words of their lips. Let them be caught in their pride for the curses and lies they utter. Consume them in wrath. Consume them until they are no more. Then it will be known to the ends of the earth that God rules over Jacob. God will go before me. It's, it's a, an image that he has of God is in front of me. He's saying God will meet me at the front. Not God is behind me, but God meets me at the front. He's, it's like in Psalm 21. You welcomed the king with rich blessings and placed a crown of pure gold on his head. He asked you for life and you gave it to him. Length of days forever and ever. And here's the key to facing your troubles as a believer. Don't look inward at yourself all the time. Don't look around at all your enemies. Don't look at the waves. Don't look at the troubles. Look in front of you, not behind you. Look in front of you and see that God goes before you. Let God fill your vision, not your enemy, not the, the, the dogs, the, the bay, baying dogs who are attacking you, not the troubles that you face, but God in front of you, God going before you, God making a way. The British national anthem, God Save Our Gracious Queen, it's got some verses we don't normally sing. The second one, Crush the Rebellious Scots, we don't sing that too often. Um, and then there's another one, though, and I love this. I would, if, if I had confidence, I would sing it to you, but you know the tune, so you can work it out. O Lord, our God, arise, scatter our enemies, and make them fall. Confound their politics, frustrate their knavish tricks. On thee our hopes we fix, God save us all. I love that. Confound their politics, frustrate their knavish tricks. On thee our hopes we fix. Okay, it's McGonagall poetry, but it's... Uh, I, I love the expression of it. And you see, what the psalmist is doing here, he's saying, he's not saying, God, wipe out my enemies right now, because he's thinking even beyond that. He's saying, I want you to deal with them bit by bit in case we forget. Spurgeon puts it this way, enemies help to keep the Lord's servant awake. A lively, vexatious devil is less to be dreaded than a sleepy, forgetful spirit which is given to slumber. Is it not true that we as believers are so quick to forget the grace and mercy of God, to fall asleep spiritually, that God sometimes uses our enemies, his enemies, to wake us up? Psalm 78, Psalm 106 have uh, state exactly that. And again, he comes back to the sins of the tongue, for the sins of their mouths, for the words of their lips. 
Let them be caught in their pride for the curses and lies they utter. Proverbs 19.10 says, When words are many, sin is not absent, but he who holds his tongue is wise. Don't we live in a society which is drowning in words? It's drowning in words. And pride and cursing and lies are predominant and they destroy a community. You want to destroy a community. The sins of the tongue, pride, cursing, lies, they destroy a community. So he prays that God would deal with that. And then amazingly, then it will be known to the ends of the earth that God rules over Jacob. It's like with David and and Goliath. David says to Goliath, you come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I've come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will hand you over to me and I'll strike you down and cut off your head. Today I will give the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds of the air and the beasts of the earth. And then this extraordinary phrase from this young man, and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. All those gathered here will know that it is not by sword or spear that the Lord saves, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give all of you into our hands. When you are abused, when you are mocked, when you are overwhelmed because of the attacks of the evil one, you need to look ahead, you need to look to God, and you need to claim the victory, not in the sense of saying, I can win, but just simply saying, God wins, always. We know the end of the story. It's like watching one of those films. You know what's going to happen. You know the end of the story. Well, we know the end of the story. And even though we may be at the darkest place, if you like, in the movie of our lives, we know the end of the story. God will be glorified. And that's why he goes on to say, they return at evening, snarling like dogs and prowl about the city. They wander about for food and howl if not satisfied. But I will sing of your strength. In the morning I will sing of your love, for you are my fortress, my refuge in times of trouble. O my strength, I sing praise to you. You, O God, are my fortress, my loving God. The prowlers return, the dogs return, snarling, complaining. Saul, I mean, Saul was outwitted by a woman. His own daughter outwitted him. It was just a mega embarrassment in that culture. But I think when I, I, I see this verse, verse 15, they wander about for food and howl if not satisfied. Didn't it embarrass you? Doesn't it embarrass you? That a video went viral throughout the world um, yesterday because of what happened in Tesco's and Asda's in this city on Friday when people fought over a 32-inch television that was 30% off. They howl and snarl. They demand food. They want more, and they howl if not satisfied. There's just something, you know, people laugh at it and say, oh, it's just a joke. No, it's not a joke. It's something profoundly sad about our culture that that can even exist that people would pack a supermarket at midnight to get a television when the churches in this city are open today? Will they be fighting and packing to get into church? Of course not. 
because what they're looking for is so shallow and so trivial and it's so depressing. But the psalmist, he goes beyond that and he sees beyond that and he sees that we can rely on God. Calvin says his language teaches us that we should believe in the ability of God to deliver us even upon occasions of emergency when our enemies have an overwhelming advantage. See, you could be here right now and right now what's in your heart is not joy, it is discouragement, it is depression, it is tiredness, it is darkness, it is fear, it is overwhelming. You cannot see the way ahead. And yet, it is quite extraordinary that God has the ability, and not just the ability, but the desire to deliver us. I will sing, he says. I will sing in the morning when I'm fresh and awake. For those of you who are not morning people, you won't understand that. But for those of you who are, you will. That is what he's saying here. When I'm at my most awake, I will sing. And in fact, he uses three different words to say the same thing. He says, I will sing, I will shout, I will raise a psalm. Why? Because my fortress is the God who loves me, my loving God. And look at this. He's the God who I rely on. He is my fortress, the one who I can totally rely on. He's contrasting the people who riot, who go around howling and whining and moaning and complaining because their every need is not immediately met with the believer who is under assault and attack from all different directions and yet is able to say, I will sing, I will shout, I will raise a psalm because I rely on my God who is my fortress. When we take communion in a moment, what we are saying is, I don't trust myself, but I trust Jesus absolutely. He feeds me. He forgives me. He protects me. He keeps me. The Shorter Catechism, which I'm sure you all know off my heart, question 26, says this, how doth Christ execute the office of a king? I love this. Christ executes the office of a king in, first of all, subduing us to himself, in ruling and defending us, and in restraining and conquering all his and all our enemies. Rescue me from the dogs because Jesus was attacked by the dogs, because Jesus suffered an eternal damnation on the cross. Nothing. Nothing can stand against us and against his people. The song we sang, the second song we sang, you know, I'm sure there are one or two, ah, it's just a kid's song. Blessed be the name of the Lord. It's very lively and you can clap your hands to it if you dare. Um, you should clap your hands to it. But it's, it's a great song. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run to it and they are safe. There is no other place of safety. Sometimes, for those who work in social work, um, a place of safety order is made to protect somebody, to protect a child who's being abused. What God has done is he's made a place of safety order upon his people. And he says to the devil, you don't. No, you don't. There is a chain. You have been defeated. He says to our enemies, no, you don't. This far you go and no further. Whatever your circumstances, please understand 
that you can know and you can rely on the Lord. He is our rock. He is our strength. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you for its glorious blessings. Help us to trust you. And for those who don't know you, we pray that they would come to know you. And for those of us who do, Lord, there are some here who are confused about so many things, confused about finances, confused about belief, confused about sexuality, confused about relationships, confused and hurt and wounded. Lord, grant that each would look to you in the midst of the storm, that you are the rock, you are the fortress, you are the tower. We know that in the end, God triumphs. Lord, help us to hold on when it looks as though all around us is failing and enable us to look to Christ. In your name we ask it. Amen. We're going to sing. Thank you for listening to this sermon from St. Peter's Free Church in Dundee. If you found this sermon has been helpful to you, please help us to continue building up and assisting the people of God. Visit our website at stpeters-dundee.org.uk For information and training on persuasive evangelism and how to share your faith biblically, please visit the website of SOLAS, the Centre for Public Christianity, at solas-cpc.org. Once again, that website address is solas-cpc.org. Thanks for listening.